What's up, boxing fans? Today we're talking Kovalev, Chalimba, some breaking boxing news, and a look ahead to Wilder versus Areola. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. There it is. Welcome, everyone. The boxing after show here at After Buzz TV. I'm Jared Gilkerson, by myself today, probably because it's, well, it's Tuesday afternoon, and uh, I'm usually not here, but there was a special edition of boxing on Monday night last night, Sergey Kovalev versus Isaac Chalimba, which we'll dive into here momentarily, but I'm Jared Gilkerson, that's at Gilkerson Radio on Twitter, my co-host, my partner in crime, Andrea Fasano, is out on assignment, but you could find her at Andy Fasano on Twitter. And we're here at the AfterBuzz Studios. We're talking some boxing, and uh, you can find us on iTunes. Download our show on iTunes. Subscribe and rate. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud. And, of course, I'm live, and we're live on YouTube right now. So feel free to chime in with your, your comments and your thoughts on last night's fight and what you thought, and feel free to chime in on any opinions I may have, because a lot of people disagree, and a lot of people agree, and we fight, and then we get over it. So that's it. We're talking a little Sergey Kovalev, Isaac Chalimba, uh, Monday night fights, very rare. Uh, of course, HBO covered it last night. Uh, they weren't there live. Uh, our friend... Um, uh, our friend was there live. He was the only representative there for HBO, Kieran Mulvaney, who we did a spotlight on uh, a few months back. And if you haven't watched it, give it a watch. He was there for the post-fight interviews. But, of course, uh, Jim Lampley and Roy Jones were on the call somewhere remotely, probably on the West Coast. So Sergey Kovalev took his undefeated record and his light heavyweight title to Russia, back home. Uh, at the same arena he hasn't fought in since tragic events years ago where he fought, uh, I'll get the fighter's name, but the fighter actually passed away a few days afterwards. And this is his hometown. He's back. He's bigger than ever. Uh, and against Isaac Chalimba, who a lot of people really didn't take too seriously. 24-3-2 going co- uh, coming into the fight, 10 KOs. You know, and you look at uh, Sergey's record at 29 and one 26 KOs. All the predictions that we were hearing were, you know, Kovalev and four, Kovalev and five. But as we saw the fight progress, it went the distance. This thing went 12 rounds. Um, very surprising. Even though you knew that Chalimba was game, he had recently looked very average, you know, losing some decisions. Um, I know he was close to getting a title shot to the other light heavyweight champion, Adonis Stevenson, but with Chalimba's powder puff style, uh, everyone thought Kovalev was going to take him out rather quickly. So let's jump in and break down the fight. Uh, I had it scored 119 to 108 for Kovalev. Uh, I only gave one round to Isaac Chalimba, and that was the fourth round where he landed a significant percentage of jabs and really controlled. Uh, I know that HBO's Harold Letterman gave him the fifth and sixth round. So I, I, I think the closest you could have this fight is what one of the judges had it. One of the judges had it 116-111. Uh, the other two were 117-110 and 
and 118-109. Have you ever been in the middle of scoring a fight? Because I know a lot of the fans that watch us like to score, and I I do this, and uh, I start scoring the fight, and I think, man, Chalimba's really look sharp. I mean, he's he's snapping Kovalev's head back with the jab. He's avoiding Kovalev's power shots. It looks like, you know, he's he should be winning more rounds, right? Should I be scoring more rounds for for Isaac? And and all it takes is Kovalev to land a few of his jabs and one Kovalev jab in my opinion was worth two or three of Chalimba's while scoring. Um, not to mention that Kovalev was the come-forward fighter. Chalimba was on his back foot. Uh, I don't think Chalimba could have fought any better. Uh, it was good that he didn't come forward. I think that the reason that Chalimba won three or possibly four rounds max was because he was backing up and could get that jab off and occasionally an uppercut through there. Uh, he was a sneaky fighter, and I really think he tricked uh, Kovalev. He confused him a bit. Um, but we found out later on this was a little bit of a combination um, of Kovalev trying to impress his family, trying to impress his friends in his hometown. He even admitted at the end of the fight that you know he was a bit nervous coming in because he was back home. And you also had a little bit of Buster Douglas in here. You know, uh, Buster Douglas, of course, knocked out Mike Tyson. No one gave him a chance. But you had that Chalimba at the end of the fight said he gave everything for this fight. He put everything into it. And you could see that. This was probably Isaac Chalimba's best fight. Uh, no one goes the distance with Kovalev, uh, unless you're Bernard Hopkins. And uh, Chalimba did exactly what Bernard Hopkins did. You know, he got knocked down early in the fight and went the distance. And uh, that's pretty impressive. So after the fight, what do you say? Do you say, okay, Kovalev has some weaknesses here and Andre Ward's going to exploit them in the future? Or do you say that Kovalev just took out someone who was a top 10 light heavyweight, knocked him down in the process, and went the distance, and that's going to get him ready for, for Andre Ward? And it it really depends how you want to look at this because uh, I think you can have a combination of both. Uh, I think that Sergey Kovalev gets a little lazy with his defense and that's been convenient for him because he's fought some guys without much power recently, especially with Chalimba. So um, Kovalev will come forward and land some good shots and then back off, but his hands are low and he gets caught. And you can't do that against someone like Andre Ward. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, it's not easy. You're not going to knock out everyone, and he almost has. So I think he gets a fight where he can go the distance. I mean, he still almost had a clean sweep on my card and uh, one of the other judges' cards. I mean, I had it 119-108. So I only really had one round where he truly lost. So he's fighting another top 10 light heavyweight, and so that's impressive. So I, I'm not too worried uh, moving forward um, with Sergey. Uh, he, he, he lacked a little bit of that killer instinct. I thought it was a little odd. Um, Kovalev is looked at as kind of a mean guy and a mean person. But maybe something about going home and being around friends and family and being humbled a bit uh, changed. You could see at the um, – I wrote down in my notes, nice Kovalev. Because at the end, you see him hugging Chalimba and giving him props, which you see a lot in boxing, but you haven't seen a lot with 
with Sergey Kovalev. So I'm not sure. I think we just saw maybe a nicer uh, Kovalev last night because he was surrounded by friends and family, and uh, I and I think he was just really wanting to impress. So I think to get that true mean streak out of Sergey, you got to bring him back to the states. So moving forward, we look ahead for what is next for Sergey Kovalev. Well, we know the fight with Andre Ward is is on for November of this year, and it's one of the biggest fights to be made this year. Maybe the biggest, depending on who you talk to, because you just don't know who to pick. It's a 50-50 fight. So unless Alexander Brand ruins the fight and uh, upsets Andre Ward in August, then we're going to see the two best, in my opinion, and many others, even know that Ward doesn't have a belt, the two best light heavyweights in the world right now will be facing off in November, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, what do we take away? Kovalev went the, went the distance with Chalimba. So, a lot of people today are gonna say, you know, that's not that kind of effort's not gonna cut it against Andre. I don't know if if he can, you know, if he can make those kind of mistakes with Andre, and that's valid. Those points are valid. But looking at Andre Ward's track record recently. I feel like everyone kind of forgets, you know, the guy only fought once in 2012, once in 2013, didn't fight at all in 2014, once in 2015, and is now going to fight twice in 2016. So he's just now gearing back up and getting some some of his legs back. But he just hasn't been active enough, and he hasn't been active enough against really good fighters. I mean, look at his last few fights. We've got Paul Smith, Sullivan Barrera, and Alexander Brand. And Kovalev gets flack as well for not fighting the highest of competition. But the guy beat Hopkins. Now, almost 50-year-old Hopkins, but the guy made Hopkins look silly, be, uh, significantly beat down Jean-Pascal, and then beat a pretty game top 10 Isaac Chalimba. So I look at the track record and I think Sergey Kovalev definitely has what it takes to beat Andre Ward. Uh, if I have to make an early prediction, uh, I think that Kovalev's going to win that fight by decision. It's tough because neither fighter has lost. Um, so it's really hard to make an early decision, but we'll have a show for that in the in the fall. Big show, big party for that, but we're definitely looking forward to that. But to kind of put a bow on Kovalev and Chalimba, I, I, I'm not too concerned with how a little sluggish he looked. I think that he'll put it all together for Andre in the fall. And uh, just to touch on Isaac Chalimba, um, he's seventh in Ring Magazine's light heavyweight rankings. Um, I think he needs a fight outside of the top 10 to keep his confidence up and then come back in and fight a Joe Smith uh, or a Vyacheslav uh, Shabransky, if, that's his, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Artur Bietibirdev. Uh, oh, I did not say that right at all. You can give me shit for that. Um, but, you know, it, this, this could, be, could have been peak Isaac. I don't know. But it was definitely his best effort because his movement and his jab – kept him in that fight and won him some rounds and which is very impressive. So, we put a bow on it and I'd like to hear what the fans thought of the fight last night. I always like to see your scorecards. Let me know what you thought. Um if you think that Isaac lost uh, every round or if you think he actually won a few rounds, so let me know as I take a sip of uh my agua and have some dead air. And we'll move on to 
some boxing news. We like to touch on some news here. So uh, we've been gone for a few weeks. Um, and so there's a few things that have happened. So let's kind of touch on the bigger news today. A lot of talk because just recently, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, is going to fight in September. Not against Canelo Alvarez, but a pretty damn good fight against Kel Brook, who is the light or who's the IBF welterweight champion. And they're going to fight at 160, so they're going to fight at Triple G's weight. Um, this is eerily similar to Amir Khan versus Canelo because Khan was coming up a couple of weight classes. But the difference, in my opinion, is that Kel Brook is, you know, much better defensively. Than Amir Khan hasn't been knocked out at all like Amir Khan. And looking at this fight now, I think that Kel Brook is, uh, I got to give him props for going up two weight divisions. He says his, he, he's more comfortable at 160. I'm not sure he's going to bring the power to affect Triple G. But I think this, this, this is a fight that could go eight or 10 rounds with Triple G winning. Um, but Brook still hasn't still doesn't have the best experience in the world. Uh, that's the knock on Triple G. But anytime a fighter goes up two weight classes, I get a little nervous. Uh, but both fighters undefeated. So it's a really cool matchup uh, since that Al- Alvarez and Triple G couldn't be made. It's pretty cool that they still found a way to maybe take one of the best welterweights in the world, if not the best, and match them up against the best middleweight. Um, that's kind of where boxing is at right now. Everyone's kind of um, crossing over boundaries just to make the big money fight, which I don't mind. Um, if if that's going to happen so often, just take away half your weight classes. You know, why do you have 146, you know, 150, what is it, 152, 150? Like, it's just, uh, you know, it's too many. Um, so why have that many? So uh, get rid of them. That's my opinion. But I, I think it's a really cool fight in September. I think it's going to be a fun contrast of styles. But uh, early prediction, I think Triple G is going to finish him off in 8 to 10 rounds. But we shall see. Uh, in other breaking news, uh, it looks like not much breaking news. But uh, Vladimir Klitschko versus Tyson Fury. The rematch has been rumored to happen in October. As we know, that Fury got hurt during training camp or jogging or, or, or something. And uh, it looks like the rematch is going to be around October. But Vladimir Klitschko says that's not official. And we have to wait to see when that will be announced. Uh, I know not everyone is chomping at the bit for this fight. Um, you know, I, heavyweights are in a bit of a flux right now. But I, I, I think this rematch has potential to be much better than the first. I think that you'll see Vladimir taking a lot more chances and you're going to see a much closer, more action-packed fight. So that's our boxing news today. Uh, As we jump forward for our next show, it's going to be after the uh, heavyweight showdown between Deontay Wilder and Chris Ariola. Everyone's favorite boxer, Chris Ariola. He's back. He's getting another, another shot at the WBC title. I believe this is his third shot. He always seems to come up, come up short. You know, he had the the WBC title shot against Vitaly Klitschko back in 09 and a few years ago against uh, Berminster Vern. It was vacated and didn't win it there either. And now he's getting another shot. Um, 
Now, with heavyweights, it's a little different. I think, you know, with Wilder's youth and untested chin, it's always risky. So Ariola could always catch a guy like Wilder. Wilder is still not uh, really a veteran. He's got an undefeated record. He's a really stud of a heavyweight. But you just don't know when he gets clocked in the chin how he's going to react. So uh, this fight is a little odd. Uh, I'm not, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't think Ariola has much of a shot. He always seems like a guy who's right there, you know, oh, gets his shot and then comes up short in the title. And I don't see anything changing here. So I, I really think Wilder is going to get a late stoppage. Uh, Ariola is always game to get beat up. He loves to get his face pummeled and, and, uh, but, uh, usually doesn't, you know, throw much back in terms of connect percentage and, and winning rounds. So I think uh, Wilder's going to win this fight and have a late stoppage, but it really is time. This does bring up a, a point of it's time for Deontay Wilder to step up and, and stop with this C-plus competition. Uh, I, I'll bring up his his record here online as, as I'm rambling, but uh, you look at the people he's fought in his last few fights, you know, Jason Gavern, Berminster Vern, which was very good, Eric Molina, uh, Johan Duhapas and uh, Arthur Spilka, which was impressive. Arthur Spilka was an impressive win. But you're looking at these guys that are B minus C plus heavyweights. He needs to find a way. I know he's contracted to Showtime and it's tough, but he needs to find a way to fight someone like Vladimir Klitschko, or get in the ring with Tyson Fury, or one of the other younger heavyweights because it's time. It's time for Deontay Wilder to step up. The guy is, you know, he'll be 31 in the fall. Uh, he's 36 and 0. He's got plenty of experience, but it's time to show off and uh, let this guy free. So let's let loose the heavyweights. I mean, look at all the lower weight classes. They're all fighting each other and and mixing up. But the heavyweights are kind of in this dead period. Everyone was frustrated when Klitschko was running through everyone, and now Klitschko is not running through everyone, and and we still don't have clarity. So let's get a little bit of clarity. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully Deontay can and can run over Ariola. And then we'll have, you know, four or five top guys that can all fight each other. Let's bring back the 90s. Let's bring back, you know, Bo and Holyfield and Tyson and Lewis and all these guys that did fight each other. Um, Let's bring it back. And that's going to be a great transition to go into our This Day in Boxing History, one of my favorite segments here on the show. And this one is especially near and dear to my heart as it's... July 12th, 1986, Evander Holyfield versus Dwight Muhammad Kawi for the Cruiserweight title as we'll roll some video as I talk about the fight. Um, I, yeah, this is the very end of the fight where both, look at this, both fighters were exhausted. Look at the late reaction here by Kawi as he stumbles back. And then he just, then he just comes after Evander to end this fight. And try to knock him out. And this was back in the day of 15 rounds. Oh, this fight was great. I know it was only a... Uh, I was only a young lad for this fight. Uh, I was only two years old. So I have no memory of this fight. But this was back in the day when they had 15 rounders, if you remember. Um, uh, of course, Holyfield ended up winning by a split decision. Um, and our own... Uh, and HBO's own Harold Letterman was a, was a judge on the fight. But this is for, if you look at history, this was a gigantic fight for Evander Holyfield. This is his first championship. It was for the WBA Cruiserweight title. And this really catapulted 
Evander, uh, because after he beat uh, Kawi, you know, he, he defended that cruiserweight title for a while against guys like Henry Tillman and uh, uh, Dwight Kawi again in 1987. And then, you know, Carlos De Leon and all these guys. And then eventually he moved up to, to heavyweight in 89. But Holyfield, even though he was only a cruiserweight for about two and a half years, is one of the best cruiserweights of all time. And this was one of the best cruiserweight fights of all time. So if you haven't watched it, go back to July 12th, 1986, and watch this fight. This is a really impressive fight. And it was just just uh, such an important fight for both fighters because Holyfield, this catapulted him into stardom. And, you know, by 1990, he was heavyweight champion, you know, when he beat Buster Douglas, and he goes and beats George George Foreman. And then we all know what happened to Holyfield. And if you look at Kawi's record... Kawi went on and, and went into pretty much relative obscurity. He got Holyfield one more time and, and lost, but then he he had a ridiculous move up to heavyweight and fought uh, George Foreman during his comeback and looked just fat and slow and, and just looked terrible. And then fought guys like uh, you know Oliver McCall and you know just you know fought until you know into his mid forties uh, into the late nineties. So this fight was such a crossroads. You know, if Kawi gets the decision here, maybe Holyfield doesn't become Holyfield, and and maybe uh, you know maybe Kawi look is looked at as maybe one of the better uh, best cruiserweights of all time. He's definitely you know a great cruiserweight, but a huge crossroads fight, and also one of the last few fights uh, that were sanctioned fifteen rounders. Um, their rematch was actually, I believe, the rematch between Holyfield and Kawi was maybe one of the last sanctioned 15 round fights. So, um, you know, maybe there's a reason for that. This, these fights were pretty brutal. So they decided to tack off three rounds. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really miss 15 rounders. Uh, the, 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 the great thing about 15 rounders were that they were odd, odd numbers. So if you had to go to a decision, you didn't get a lot of, you know, you could maybe avoid a draw. So how about, uh, we meet in the middle. How about we make fights about 13 rounds nowadays? That's what I like to see 13 round fights. So that was our This Day in Boxing History. Um, that's going to put a bow on this episode. Um, our next fight will be Wilder and Areola. And then the big one, Terrence Crawford versus Victor Postal in two weeks. Gigantic pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to have a big show for that. And uh, hopefully my, my partner in crime, Andrea Fasano, will be back. But uh, until then... I'm Jared Gilkerson. You can find me at Gilkerson Radio on Twitter. Uh, you can find Andrea Fasano at Andy Fasano. That's Andy with an I. And you can use the hashtag ABTVBoxing if you want to get at us on Twitter or YouTube. Let us know what you think of the fights. And let us know. I like to hear from you live on Twitter. So let me know how you're scoring the fights, how you're scoring each round, what you think of each fighter, and we can talk some boxing on Twitter. We can continue the conversation. But until next time, we'll see you later. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Box you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 